This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime in our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m. or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m. or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. We'd like to wrap up our topic. We've been talking about, you know, ordinary becomes extraordinary with God. And when you're with God, when he's with us, it changes things in our lives. And if you'll remember, last uh, two weeks we've been talking about the ordinary, and we've been talking about how, you know what, I forgot one of my bags of gold. Uh, But uh, last week we we showed you a thermostat, and uh, most of you figured out that we'd ripped it off the wall over there. So if it gets really cold in here, tell me, and I'll put it back on, and we'll adjust the temperature, okay? <laughs> it has to be connected the same way you have to be connected to Almighty God, so the power flows through us. And if, as we wrap up this series this morning, you know, if this represents you, <clears throat> you're a thermostat, and you change things, or you are a thermometer, and you don't change anything, you just become like around you. Like if it says it's, uh, let me see, what does that say? That says 65 degrees in this room. It's because this just became this, just like the room was. You take it outside, at my house, it's going to go down to four. <laughs> you know? Now, Karen, our keyboardist, she said it was one at her house this morning. But that's what a a thermometer does. It just becomes like everybody around it. And it don't change anything. But a thermometer... Thermostat. Thermometer don't change anything, but a thermostat changes everything. And God has called you and me to be a thermostat, to change the world in which you live, genuinely, to, to be a history maker, you know, a world changer. And so that's what we want to wrap up this morning. We've been talking about for two weeks, and this will be our third week as we wrap it up. So I'd like us to read uh, Hebrews chapter 12. And remember that God, he, he enables us, and God empowers us. So we're not talking about being a thermostat. As long as you stay connected to him, his power will flow to you and through you and will change things in your life and those in your sphere of influence. Uh, So let's start off here in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. Now, do you know that we are surrounded by a huge cloud or crowd? Different translation says it differently. We are surrounded right now. My dad is part of that uh, crowd of witnesses to faith. And Susan's mom and dad are part of that crowd, and we all have loved ones and family members who have already checked into their mansion, already on those streets of gold. And the Bible tells us here, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, Because we are surrounded, they're cheering us on from the balcony, those who've gone on before us, a huge crowd of believers, those who are in the faith, They're cheering us on, and it says, because of that... Let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Weight slows us down. Now, I started uh, backpacking when I was a teenager. 
and I did a chunk of the Appalachian Trail and lots of other places and all. And after my first adventure with backpacking, I learned that I was carrying too much weight, you know. And then as I got a little bit older, maybe a little bit stronger, on a regular basis, when I was backpacking, I was going across the country sharing the gospel with people. You know, I had, you know, trimmed it down substantially, and I was only carrying a 70-pound backpack, you know, which, as I discovered, was way too much weight. And up until this very day, you know, uh, I, I still have backpacks and make sure all my family has backpacks and all like that, but I'm always trimming down my weight on my backpack. Because if you're carrying a 70-pound backpack, that's way too much. And I got to the place shortly after launching out into backpacking, I would cut the handle off of my toothbrush to make it lighter. And I would just grab the little handle, you know, and do like that. And believe it or not, the uh, boots that I would wear, the, the, uh, the boot strings was very long, I would cut about a foot off of the boot string to cut my weight down. And, and now my little backpacking stove, I usually just use a little fire, but my little backpacking stove that I have has a little canister, excuse me, it weighs 3.1 ounces, you know? And so I'm getting rid of as much weight as I can. Have you ever been backpacking with a backpack that was a little bit too heavy? Yes. You know, and it's just like, Boy, I would sure enjoy this walk through the woods, this hike, if I wasn't carrying so much stuff with me, you know? Everything plus the kitchen sink. And uh, in the backpacking world, if you bought everything they're trying to sell you, you'd be carrying about 300 pounds of stuff, you know? But life is so much better when you don't have so much weight. And it's telling us here because, you know, this huge crowd, this huge cloud of witnesses who have gone before us through the life of faith, they're cheering us on because they're cheering us on, run the race, run the race. He says that we should strip off every weight that slows us down. Is there anything in your life right now, and, and you know if it is or not, that's slowing you down spiritually? You're really not able to keep up the pace with where God wants you. And he tells us, and let's just read that again. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially a sin that so easily hinders our progress. Is there a sin in your life that's hindering your progress? You're not able to run the race that God has set before you because the sins weighing you down. And if we confess our sins to God, he'll forgive us and he'll cleanse us and we'll be able to be a thermostat and change the world in which we live instead of just being a thermometer and just becoming like the world around about us. Okay. Let so us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially a sin that so easily hinders our progress. And let us run with endurance. Endurance. Let us run with endurance, with stamina. Let us run with perseverance. Let us run with tenacity. You know, don't give up. And I'll tell you what, you can run a race a whole lot better if you ain't carrying too much weight. 
And so strip off that weight and, and strip off that sin, you know, that hinders our progress. It's what he's telling us as we're running the race in our relationship with Almighty God. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Because God is calling us to be like him. Like father, like son, you know, like father, like daughter. God's challenging us to become more and more like him. Listen to what it says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 6. And this is a powerful verse. If you never memorize this verse, this is a good one. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. We should live our lives. If we say that we're a Christian and we're living in relationship with God, we should live our lives the way Jesus did. And all we got to do is through his word, we, we read and study his word and we find out how Jesus would do things and then we adapt that to our own selves. That's phenomenal. Jesus was a thermostat. Jesus changed things in his world. And he's calling us to live like him and to change things in our world. Now, let's read the, the, the whole chapter. It's only six verses. But I want us to read it in the Message Bible, if you would. And listen to all this and how it relates to us. I write this, dear children, to guide you out of sin. To guide you out of sin. Because sin messes up our lives. It hinders us. It causes us to be unconnected. So there's no power flowing into and through our lives. And he says here, you know, to guide you out of sin. But if anyone does sin... We have a priest friend. A priest friend. Not just, oh, we have a priest, but we have a priest friend. Do you know who his, what his name is? His name is Jesus. Yeah. Is your microphone? Yes. It is. I was just checking. And Maybe I should move it. No, that's okay. We have a priest friend. In the presence of the Father, Jesus Christ, righteous Jesus. When he served as a sacrifice for our sins, he solved the sin problem for good. When he was a sacrifice for us, Jesus solved the sin problem. He forgives us. You, you, you don't have to promise I'm going to do jumping jacks or I'm going to run 20 miles a day to make up for my sins. Jesus has already done everything to solve the sin problem in our life. Sin can no longer control your life. It can't. That's why we can just strip it off, you know, and uh, just get away from it because of what Jesus has done for us. When he served as a sacrifice for our sins, he solved the sin problem for good. Not only ours, but the whole world's. So every man, woman, boy, and girl on this planet can receive Jesus as their Savior, and they can begin to live like Jesus. And they can keep his commands. They genuinely can. Here's how we can be sure that we know God in the right way. Does anybody here know God? Yes. Okay, I see three hands. Okay. <laughs> Four, five, six. Anybody know God? Are you guys online? Do you, do you know God? He says, this is how we can be sure. Well, I'm not really sure if I, I'm in a relationship with him or not. He says, this is how we can be sure that we know God in the right way. Keep his commandments. Are we keeping what he says in his word? 
if, if you're keeping his commands, you can be sure that you know God. You are in a right relationship with him. If someone claims, I know him well, but doesn't keep his commandments, he's obviously a liar. He's obviously what? A liar. He says, I'm in a relationship with God, but they, they don't keep the commands of God? And I didn't say that. The Bible says if they say they're in a relationship with God, but they don't keep God's word, his commands, God says they're a liar. So it's like we can, we can find out. We can be sure. We can know if we know God or not. Do we read and study and hear his word? And you know how easy it is to hear God's word today. You know, if you have a cell phone, a smartphone, you know, uh, you can read the Bible in multiple translations, but you can also play it and you can hear it. And it's better to listen to the Bible when you're driving than to try to read one when you're driving. You know what I'm saying? When you go to bed at night, it's good to, you can put it on there and you can listen to a chapter of the Bible and all. So that's what he's talking about here. Okay. If someone claims I know him well but doesn't keep his commandments, he's obviously a liar. His life doesn't match his words. And our lives should match our words. And our words is the ones that we're learning from him. But the one who keeps God's word is the person in whom we see God's mature love. This is the only way to be sure we're in God. It's the only way. There is no other way. Do we keep his word? Do we keep his commands? Do we follow him? Because he only gives us guidelines not to take away our fun or our pleasure in life. He gives us guidelines so we can live life to its fullness, to its absolute fullness. And he says, if we're doing that, you can know that you're in a relationship with him. This is the only way to be sure we're in God. Anyone who claims to be intimate with God ought to live the same kind of life Jesus lived. And this is an old song. And uh, I'm not sure, maybe it's too early in the morning for me to try to sing a little piece of it. But it goes, To be like Jesus, to be like Jesus, all I ask is to be like Him. All through life's journey, from earth to glory, all I ask is to be like Him, to be like Jesus, every moment of the day, to be like Jesus, every step along the way. All I ask, yes, that's all that I ask, is to be like him, yes, to be like him, all through life's journey, help me, Lord, when I pray, from earth to glory, answer me, dear Lord, today, all I ask, yes, that's all that I ask, is to be like him. Yes, to be like him. You know, that can be our... That can be our theme song. It's to be like Jesus. You can't get no better than that. 
right. When you say, I'm a Christian, that means I'm a Christ follower. I'm striving in my life to be like him, to be like Jesus every moment of the day, every step along the way to be like him. And that is a fantastic goal that we have in our life. And Jesus, you got to understand, Jesus was a thermostat. So if you're going to be like Jesus, you're going to be a thermostat. Not in a critical way, but you're going to change the world in which you live. By your example, by your love, by your caring, by your, your guidance and your instruction and, and your gentleness and tenderness in this world. And you know what? A thermostat is not mean when it changes the temperature in your house, is it? No. Nope. How many of you glad you got a thermostat in your house? And, and it might just be your hand turning up a knob or something or another. When we first moved into this old building, uh, it was in the back room. It was just one great big old room. And all we had is two wires sticking out of the wall. And I would come back there, and you can hear it if you hear any of our old tapes. and go, let's twist the wires. Put the wires together, the furnace will come on. Oh, it's getting hot here. Untwist the wires. That's the way. So I was a thermostat back then, you know. And uh, God has called us all to stay connected to him and be the thermostat and bring about change in the lives of God, of the people that God brings across our path. That's what I'm talking about. And he's calling us to change the world around us. John 17, verse 14 says, and Jesus is, is talking to the Father. He says, I have given them your word, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world just as I do not. You understand that the world hated Jesus. That's why they crucified him, you know? And the world, if you start acting like Jesus, you're light. And, and people, the Bible tells us, lots of people in this whole world, they like darkness, they like evil, they like wickedness. And so they may not all appreciate your lifestyle. That's just the way it is. But Jesus here is praying to his father, Papa God, and he's saying, I've given them, I've given them, Papa, your word, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. Now, if you listen to that, that is so powerful. Jesus is praying that Father would keep us safe while we're here in this world. Uh, that goes for us right now. That goes during this pandemic and all the, the uh, political upheaval that goes on around about us. Jesus is praying. He said, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world. I'm just saying keep them safe. Jesus' prayer for you and me is that Papa God will keep us safe right now. Isn't that powerful? You know? Yes. So how are you dealing with life right now? Are you dealing with life like a thermometer? Well, I'm just going to become like everybody around me. I'm just not going to rock the boat. Or are you dealing with life like a thermometer? That yeah, you, I mean, a thermostat. Thank you. That's why I have you up here, Jerry. Correct <laughs> me there. A thermostat, you know, because our life and our actions and our love and our caring changes the world in which we live. Is that what you're doing? Are you a thermometer or are you a thermostat? Think about this, you know. Uh, Joseph, oh, 
Joseph in the Old Testament, he was a thermostat. Joseph changed things. Uh, he didn't indulge, although Joseph had a lot of problems with his brothers. He had problems for the rest of his life, but he changed things. You never see Joseph had a woe is me attitude, you know. Look what I get for serving God. Have you ever done that? Well, I was living for Jesus and look what the problems that I've had because people don't like me or this, that, and another. Well, they surely didn't like Jesus to the point of crucifying him because he came to set us free. He came to turn a light on. And if there's somebody over in a dark corner and you turn a light on, they're going to turn that light off. Because they like darkness, you see. So uh, are we a, a thermostat or are we just a thermometer? And think about this. Joseph, and we're going to study him a little bit, he changed things. No matter how bad they were, no, no, no matter if it seemed good or hot or cold, he was a thermostat and he changed things always for the better. That's just the way it was. And the way Joseph changed things, and you study about Joseph, it will impact your life because Joseph, he was connected. And just like if I was to connect this thermostat back to these wires here, it would, if it gets cold, tell me and I'll hook it back up, you know. <laughs> when you and I stay connected to Almighty God, he gives us the power to change things in our world. He really does. And this old world in which we live, it needs us to be a thermostat and to change things for the better. To change the spiritual temperature of the world. That it's really icy cold like it is outside right now. And to change that spiritual temperature and give people hope and cause their faith to, to grow. Anyhow, let's uh, go on through First John here, chapter 4. First John chapter 4, verse 17 says, And as we live in God, in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face <clears throat> him with confidence because we are like Christ here in this world. Can we say that honestly? We are like Christ here in this world. Jesus was a true thermostat. And if we're like him, we're going to change things. If we're like Jesus, we will become world changers. Because he was a world changer. And we will become history makers. He made history. That's what the Bible is, is his story. The Bible is his story. His history that changes us. Listen to what it says here. As we learn a little bit about Joseph in uh, Genesis 39, verse 1. Now, when Joseph arrived in Egypt with the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, a member of the personal staff of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Potiphar was the captain of the palace guard. Now, why did Joseph go down to Egypt? Why did the uh, Ishmaelite traders escort him there? Because his brothers hated Joseph. His brothers hated him, and they were going to kill him and sprinkle some blood on his coat of many colors and take it back and say, Oh, Dad, there's a, a wolf or something killed your favorite son. And then they had thrown him into a pit. But then these Ishmaelite 
traders going to Egypt, they, they stopped by and the brother said, well, instead of us killing him, let's sell him to, to these traders and they'll sell him down there in Egypt. And usually slaves only last a year or two because they work them so hard. So that's how Joseph got down there in Egypt because he had been sold. He was thrown into a pit. Now he goes down to Egypt and he's purchased by Potiphar. So he went from a pit down to Potiphar's house as a slave. And you think about that when Potiphar, and Potiphar, it says here he was a captain of the palace guard under Pharaoh. If, if uh, would Potiphar have bought him if Joseph had just been a gloom, despair, and agony on me? No. Potiphar was over in the palace guard. He saw strength. He saw wisdom. And Joseph was a good-looking man. He was strong, physically fit. And Potiphar bought him and put him to work as a slave. That's exactly what happened. Verse 2 says, The Lord was with Joseph and blessed him greatly. Wow. The the first thing that's recorded after Potiphar bought him, the <clears throat> first thing it says in verse 2 is, The Lord was with Joseph. And see, ordinary becomes extraordinary with God. And it says here that God was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph, and he blessed him how? Greatly. He blessed him abundantly. God blessed Joseph, even if he was a slave, he blessed him lavishly. It was so very obvious that God's hand was on him. As he served in the home of his Egyptian master. God had blessed him. And Joseph, Joseph, Joseph was, he was an ordinary Joe, okay? Joseph was an ordinary Joe and an ordinary slave. This is what we know. But God's blessing was upon him, the Bible says, greatly, abundantly. God's presence. And it was very obvious to Potiphar and others who knew. It was like, God's blessing is upon you, man. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph. It was so obvious. Now, Potiphar did not serve the God that Joseph served, the God that we serve. He served a false God. Potiphar did, but he recognized that the true and the living God was with his slave. That's what he recognized. It was so obvious. And it says, let's read that verse again. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything. And, 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 and what percentage is everything? Hunter, God was giving Joseph, who is now a slave, God was giving Joseph success in everything he did. And it was so obvious. Because like, How'd you do that? See, God was with him. And he was changing things. Joseph was a thermostat. And he was changing things in an extraordinary way because God was with him. And ordinary, even here in this room, and you guys watching online, ordinary with God becomes extraordinary. Extraordinary is what I'm talking about here. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5 says, Don't be obsessed with getting more material things. 
Be relaxed with what you have. Since God assured us, I'll never let you down, never walk off and leave you, we can boldly quote, God is there, ready to help. I'm fearless no matter what, who or what can get to me. You know, no evil can get to us if God's with us. In every bad situation, you stay faithful to God, you keep his word, God will turn that thing around. Because as ordinary as we are with God, we become extraordinary. That's just the way it is. I see it throughout the Bible. And Joseph began to change sayings, even as a slave, he changed sayings for the better. And he had some pretty tough things to deal with. He surely did. I think the King James there says, Jesus says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's right. And Joseph experienced that in the pit and in Potiphar's house and throughout his life. And there was a lot of humans who left him and forsook him, but God never did. Absolutely. Acts chapter 10 verse 34 says, Then Peter replied, I see very clearly that God doesn't show partiality. God does not show partiality. What God did for Joseph, he will do for you. When you stay connected to him, what God did for Joseph, he shows no partiality, you know, none at all. What he's done for Joseph, he will do for you. And he wants you to be a thermostat. He wants you to change the world in which you live, you know, and that's not what's just muscle and mind forcing your way. It's just like staying close to God, keeping his word in you, and it will bring about that change. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And how long is forever? forever. It's 100% of the time that we have here and forever. Yeah. He's, Jesus is the same. So you get, well, that's what he did. Jesus did that, you know, a couple thousand years ago. No, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday when you read history, today. And tomorrow, the next day, Jesus don't change. Shows no partiality. What he's done for one of his kids. Well, which one of your children is your favorite? I, I do have a favorite in my family. All of them are my favorite. Which one's your favorite? Which one of God's children is his favorite? All of us. All of us. Even if we strayed away, he's wanting to bring us back to himself to forgive us, to write our names in the book of life. Is that true? That's true. Okay. First John chapter 4, verse 4 says, Greater is he that is in you. Greater is he, talking about Jesus, greater is he that is in you. Than he that is in the world. And that's talking about the devil. Greater is Christ who is in us than the devil that is in this world. We become positive agents. Uh, affecting those who are around about us like a thermostat, like Joseph. He was changing things around about him. Uh, listen as we continue here in Genesis 39, verse 4. So Joseph naturally became quite a favorite with him, Potiphar. Joseph became a favorite with Potiphar because Potiphar saw that God was with Joseph and he saw everything he did, it was successful. And he was a favorite with Potiphar because he was a favorite with God. And all of God's children are favorites with him. 
And we can obey God or we can just rebel and do our own thing, you know. But a thermostat is going to say well connected with Almighty God. So Joseph naturally became quite a favorite with him. Potiphar soon put Joseph in charge of his entire household. En entire household. And trusted him with all his business dealings. Hmm. Joseph was a thermostat. Potiphar put this slave over his business dealings, over everything in his household. Potiphar put Joseph over everything because he saw God's blessing. God was blessing him greatly, and he had such wisdom, and everything that Joseph did, it succeeded. That's what was happening right here. From the day Joseph was put in charge, the Lord began to bless Potiphar for Joseph's sake. Now, you think I might be teasing, but if you are a believer and you follow Jesus, God blesses your boss who hired you because of you. Now, you might go tell the boss that, and they might go, hooey, you know. But it is the truth. God blesses your boss because he hired you. And, and live an honorable life and be faithful and, and, and be innocent above all, you know. And don't live a crooked life before your boss. But whoever you work for, God blesses them because God has shown favor to you. He genuinely has. And we see that with Potiphar and Joseph. And it says here, the Lord began to bless Potiphar for Joseph's sake. All his household affairs began to run smoothly and his crops and livestock flourished. Because of this slave, Joseph, who had a relationship with Almighty God. Verse 6. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility. Complete administrative responsibility. Over everything he and, owned. And what percentage is everything? 100%. Potiphar let Joseph run 100% of everything. 100% that he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't have a worry in the world except to decide what he wanted to eat. Now, Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man. Joseph was a thermostat, but he was a handsome guy. He was very built. He was used to hard work. And about this time, Potiphar's wife began to desire him and invited him to sleep with her. Now, many men would have went along, you know, with Potiphar's wife. They would, well, you're my boss's husband. And uh, you are my boss's servant, and you got to do what I tell you to do. And she was tempting Joseph, Potiphar's wife was tempting Joseph to sleep with her, to, to become like a thermometer, just to reflect her heat back to her. That was what she was tempting him to do. But Joseph was not a thermometer. Joseph was a thermostat, and he changed things. And although she tempted him, verse 8 says, But Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How could I ever do such a wicked thing? 
it would be a great sin against God. She kept putting pressure on him day after day. Hmm. See, a thermometer would have given in and compromised. That's what a thermometer would do. But a thermostat changes things, understands God's word, and abides by God's word, and attracts God's greatest blessings. But he refused to sleep with her, and he kept out of her way as much as possible. One day, however, no one else was around when he was doing his work inside the house. She came and grabbed him by his shirt, demanding, Sleep with me. Joseph tore himself away, but as he did, his shirt came off. She was left holding it as he ran away. And what I have to say about Joseph, way to go, Joseph! You know, put it in the high gear, run, flee. Does the New Testament tell us something similar? Yes, there's a scripture in New Testament that says, flee from youthful lust. Run from it. There's lots of things that tempts us to become a thermometer. Just do like the rest of the world would do. If it feels good, just do it instead of, let's change some things. And I don't care where you have been at in your life at this point, but from this day forward, I challenge you who are in this room and those who are watching and listening online, become a thermostat. Stay connected to God. Let his power flow to and through you and you live a, a life like Jesus would live and change the world in which you live. When she saw that she had his shirt and that he had fled, she began screaming. Soon all the men around the place came running. My husband has brought this Hebrew slave here to insult us, she sobbed. He tried to rape me, but I screamed. Liar! Liar! How's that go? The kids would say it. Liar, liar, pants on fire, or something or another. That woman was a liar. But she was a convincing liar to all the other servants and slaves in her household. When he heard my loud cries, he ran and left his shirt behind with me. She kept the shirt with her, and when her husband came home that night, she told him her story. Now, do you, she told her husband her story, and that's exactly what it was. It was a story. You know, it was a lie, but she told her husband her story. There was no truth in it. That Hebrew slave that you've had around here tried to make a fool of me, she said. I was saved only by my screams. He ran out, leaving his shirt behind. After hearing his wife's story, Potiphar was furious. Now you understand something. I've studied this passage a lot. And that part is not extremely clear. That Potiphar was furious. It don't say who he was furious with. Was he really furious with Joseph? Who he did have put in prison because he had to do the right thing because of his wife's accusation. But I think he was furious with his wife. I think he knew her. I think he knew her attitude and things that was going on behind his back. Anyhow, it says here, After hearing his wife's story, Potiphar was furious. He took Joseph and threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were held. Now see, Joseph did not indulge. When he went into the prison, he didn't indulge. Just, woe is me, you know, woe is me. Look what, what I get for, for doing the right thing. Look, look what I get. He wasn't that way at all. He went to prison, you know. 
He went down there and he did everything he could possibly do to be helpful. God had blessed him. And I suspect, I suspect because Potiphar was over the palace guard and all that prison. And I suspect Potiphar might have told the, the chief prison guard, let me tell you, this man is a wise man and he can make your life a lot easier down here. He has God's blessing. I suspect that might be what Potiphar told the, the chief, you know, uh, of, of the prison down there. Anyhow, the next verse, after it said, he turned him over, <clears throat> Potiphar turned Joseph over to the king's prison. And nobody ever escaped from there. But the Lord was with Joseph there too. And the he... Lord was with Joseph in the prison too, just like he was with Joseph in Potiphar's house and just like he had been with Joseph when he was in the pit and all the years leading up to that when his brothers tried to abuse him and all, the Lord was with Joseph and, and I'll tell you what, it, it makes you a thermostat. And just because Joseph had some hard times, he was lied about he, and, and it was very obvious, you know, and he had just reason to fuss and complain. But let me challenge you. Some negative things happen in your life. Don't fuss and complain. Just stay faithful to the almighty God. Because as soon as he got into prison down there, the Lord, it says verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph there too. And he granted Joseph favor with the chief jailer. Gave him favor. And if you will be faithful to God and you'll become one of God's favorites, all his kids are his favorites. But God will give you favor with the people who's in your sphere of influence. Although there'll be some who try to do you wrong, you stay faithful to Almighty God and be a thermostat. Before long, the jailer put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners. And what percentage is all? 100%. The jailer put Joseph over all the prisoners. Before long. Before long, Before it was long. very obvious. You know, it's like, God's with this man. Everything he, he does, it, it succeeds, you know. Before long, the jailer put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. Wow. The chief jailer had no more worries after that because Joseph took care of everything. 100%. See... The chief jailer, he found a thermostat that ran everything in the jail system. He found someone he could trust. Although he was there because he had been accused of trying to take advantage of the chief of the palace guard. I mean, that would have you know, required you to torture him or kill him or something or other. But the chief of the prison put him over everything and he had no more worries after that. Because Joseph took care of everything, the Lord was with him, making everything run smoothly and successfully. Everywhere Joseph went, things ran smoothly and successful. Although he was accused of horrible things and threatened with murder and abuse and you name it. But see, Joseph was not a thermometer. Joseph was a thermostat. And he was connected to God. And God's power flowed to him and through him. Yes, Joseph 
was a thermostat changing things. No matter how bad they were, have you had some bad things happen in your life? Yes. And as we are faithful to him, God will change things through us. That's just the way it is, you know. And our world needs us to be a thermostat. Joseph was eventually put as number two in the entire nation of Egypt because Joseph was down there in prison running things and Pharaoh had a couple of guys, the, uh, the uh, chef and the, the bake, baker, the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker, whoever, the two guys there that the Pharaoh had some problems with, threw them in prison and one night they had some dreams of something was going to happen to them and they talked to Joseph who was a wise man and Joseph said, I'll tell you what those dreams mean. Anyhow, one of them was going to be reinstated to Pharaoh's, you know, uh, household there, and one of them was going to be killed. And anyhow, once he went back and he was reinstated, as time progressed, uh, Pharaoh had a dream. And he was going, I want someone to tell me my dream. And all of the Pharaoh's wise men said, uh, King, uh, tell us the dream and we'll interpret it for you. And they can lie, you know. And, and you may tell people dreams that you have, and they'll say, well, it means this, that, and another. Well, Pharaoh, he said to Joseph, he said, you tell me the dream first, and then I know you have the ability to interpret it. And Joseph told him what the dream was. Pretty amazing. It was amazing. Read about it. And then Joseph said, this is what your dream means. And then Pharaoh said, there's no wiser man in all of our nation I put you over everything. Here's my signet ring. You control everything. Joseph became second in command to the Pharaoh, and they believed that Pharaoh was God. He was a king, but they thought he was God. And they put Joseph second in command. How did he go through all this difficulty, and now he's second in command? Now, how do you think Potiphar was feeling now? Who's over the king's the palace guard. How do you think Potiphar's wife was feeling when Pharaoh says, you control everything? And then when Joseph's brothers, who sold him into slavery, came down to Egypt to get some food because they were all starving, when they felt, how do you think they felt? You know, but God blessed because Pharaoh uh, had given Joseph the rule of the nation because Joseph was a thermostat. An ordinary Joseph became extraordinary because he was with God. And I cannot challenge each of you to be with God. Talk to him often throughout the day. Sing a song to him often throughout the day. Just get closer to him. Become a thermostat. Change the world in which you live. You know, it's interesting because... Each step of the way, you know, from the pit to Potiphar's house to prison and then to the palace, even though the pit and Potiphar's house and the prison all seemed like terrible things, it was all God's plan You're right. to bring him, because otherwise he wouldn't have been in a position to become second in command and to bring salvation to the children of Israel by, You're right. and to the nation of Egypt. So it's pretty amazing. So when things have happened in your life, you praise God in the midst of it. 
be thankful to him in the midst of it. Don't become a, thermo, a thermometer and just groan and moan and bellyache and become like everybody else acts. Be a thermometer. No, be a thermostat. You're supposed to correct me there. Be a thermostat and change the world and the circumstances that you're living in. Matthew 19, verse 26 says, With God, everything is possible. Everything? Yep. And what percentage is everything? Is there things that you're looking for yet in your own life? With God. With God. 100% everything is possible. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 says, Because of the extravagance of the, those revelations, Paul was talking here. Because God had given Paul such wonderful revelations, and because of all these extravagant revelations that God had given him. And so I wouldn't get a big head. I was given the gift of a handicap to keep me in constant touch with my limitations. Satan's angel did his best to get me down. What in fact, what he in fact did was push me to my knees. When the devil does his best to get us down, remember that. Mm. Paul says, it pushed me to my knees. That's right. And that's where I say well connected to God. Talking about I'm, I'm down on my knees to pray. And to seek God. Even I should have been complaining and moaning and belly aching like thermometers do. But he prayed. He worshipped his God when he was on his knees. What he did, in fact, was push me to my knees. No danger then of walking around high and mighty. At first, I didn't think of it as a gift and begged God to remove it. Three times I did that. And then he told me, my grace is enough. And the word grace means enabling power. And God says, my enabling power is enough. It's all you 100%. need. 100%. All you need. My strength comes into its own in your weakness. In your weakness, God's strength shows up. When we think, well, I got this, I, I'm, I'm strong and I can handle it all. You usually can't own your own. But when there's weaknesses or handicaps that come into our life where we have to depend upon God, he says that his strength becomes ours in such times as that. Go ahead. Once I heard that, I was glad to let it happen. I quit focusing on the handicap and began appreciating the gift. It was a case of Christ's strength moving in on my weakness. Now I take limitations in stride and with good cheer. These limitations that cut me down to size, abuse, accidents, opposition, bad breaks, I just let Christ take over. And so the weaker I get, the stronger I become. Isn't that absolutely amazing? And so true. Oh, it is. You know, Paul was a thermostat as well. He's the one who would say, and we know that all things. All things work together for, for good. For good. Even being put in a pit, sold into slavery, being falsely accused by Potiphar's wife, being put in a prison. All things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. See, Paul was a thermostat. And he knew no matter what happens to me, I'm going to change things because I'm connected. I might be appearing to be weak to everybody. But God's going to turn this thing around and work it together for good. God's strength is perfected in our, our weaknesses. 
Mark 10, 27 says, with God, everything is possible. With God. Everything is possible. Devil's a liar. Just like Potiphar's wife, she is a liar. But a liar will not carry over and dictate and ruin your life. God will turn it around and work it together for good. Ordinary with God, like Joseph, becomes extraordinary. Let's read one more verse here. Daniel chapter 11, verse 32 says, The people who do know their God... Oh, the people. We have people right here. Mm -hmm. And we have lots of people who are listening online. And it says, The people who do know their God... Shall be strong and do exploits. Shall be strong. The people who know God, their God, shall be strong and shall do exploits. And the definition of exploits, it means extraordinary. Extraordinary. The word exploits, it means extraordinary acts and heroic deeds. You know. And, and it means they're a thermostat well connected and they change things employing the greatest possible advantage now for you to know God you have the greatest possible advantage now I don't know if, if you really want to have an advantage in this world or not would yes. you like everything to work out together for good in your life yes the Bible says and we know that all things work together for good God turns them around. Although they might seem to be terrible, he works it together for good for those who uh, love him. Love him. And I called to his purpose. And his purpose for you is to be a thermostat to change the world in which you live. To be a history maker. Because you change the world because you stay connected to him. Ordinary <laughs> An ordinary Joe, like ordinary Joseph, became extraordinary with God. And let's just keep God close to us. Well, our time is up right now. I'd like it's just to pray with you just to reaffirm your faith in Almighty God. And if you're here with us right now, you're joining us online, would you reaffirm your faith in God? Or would you declare your faith if you never have declared it before? Would you join us as we pray? Dear Heavenly Father. Dear Heavenly Father. I believe that you love me. I believe that you love me. That's why you sent your son Jesus. That's why you sent your son Jesus. I believe he died in my place. I believe he died in my place. And I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And he's knocking at the door of my heart. And he's knocking at the door of my heart. And I open wide that door. And I open wide that door. And I welcome Jesus inside. And I welcome Jesus inside. To every area of my life. To every area of my life. And I want to become more like Jesus. And I want to become more like Jesus. And I want to stay connected. And I want to stay connected. That your power would flow to me. That your power would flow to me. And flow through me. And flow through Almighty me. God. Almighty God. Help me strip away the weights. Help me strip away the weights. And all the sins. And all the sins. And help me become more like Jesus. And help me become more like Jesus. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.